0: I was so blessed last Sunday when we were celebrating Ascension Day, which is the day of our Lord's ascent, his exaltation. He moved into that holy place which we sometimes get glimpses of when we're in prayer. And the apostles talk about it. Paul talks about it. John certainly did when he was receiving the revelation. And Jesus exalted at the right hand of the Father. He's been glorified. He's come from the grave. He's risen. He's ascended. He's exalted. And he is in that powerful place in the presence of God. And he's releasing the Holy Spirit who descended upon him at his baptism and never departed. And he is now just overflowing that Holy Spirit upon his church even now. That's what he's promised his disciples when he's talking to them. You're gonna have me with you forever and I will never leave you. You'll never have the desolation that you felt for a few days. When I was in the grave, you'll never have that because my Holy Spirit will be with you and he will help you to remember my words. He will help you to invoke my name, which is Jesus, Yahweh saves And as you invoke my name, I will be with you through my Holy Spirit, and the Father will be with you, and you will be my holy temple on earth, filled with my glory presence, alive when you were once dead and stuck in your sins. There's a tremendous, tremendous promise. Wow. I was so blessed last week on Sunday night when I got to come back with our bishop to pray and we have that special way of praying in Oasis it's full of song it's full of holy music I'm so grateful for Leaf and the the music team because in some ways I would say they're kind of like a, a down payment of a down payment if you will of something that the Lord I believe the Lord is actually doing in our midst right now he is renewing us in the power of his Holy Spirit And that music team, I know from their reports that even their rehearsals have an anointing on them. So that when they come and then they begin to lead us in worship, they're sharing with us the critical mass that they themselves have become. They've become so united in the Spirit. That's a sign of the Spirit, is to be so united and so unified in it. And the thing that they're doing that's so powerful is their their voices are permeated with the power of the the Holy Spirit. The breath of God is reverberating in their voices. They're becoming living temples in a way through their music and then they come and bring that gift to us and it's like sacred space is being created. We're coming into the presence of God when they bring that special gift and a Sunday night was just powerful in that truth. Unbelievably powerful in that truth. If you didn't if you didn't get to be there the last time, it's okay. There will be more, many more. I really see the Lord growing this, this reality more and more. The reason I think it's so significant that it's song and it's music that has begun, you get a hint of this in our psalm this morning. Did you notice that when the presence of God touches the mountain, it trembles? It has a way of responding to the presence of God. That's a reference to Mount Sinai when the law was given and there was thunder and lightning when the presence of God descended there and Moses received the law in the first covenant. And that's how the mountains responded. But how does the human being respond? I will sing and praise the Lord. I will give him thanks with my whole being, beginning with my voice, which is this way that we take breath and we make it filled with sound that's meaningful. And in this case, it's glory. We are becoming living, glorified, fully alive human beings when we praise God. We're meant to be that. That's what we're meant to be. It's what Adam and Eve were meant to be, and they lost it. They decided to make themselves glorious in their own words, not connected to God, not filled with the Holy Spirit. And so the glory departed. They lost their ability to be a temple of the living God. And when it's given back to us in the Holy Spirit and the disciples are gathered in the upper room and they're praying, it comes again. And what are they caught doing by the people of Jerusalem? They're caught doing... That, praising God, extolling the mighty works of God. They're praising him. He's the God, the creator, and he's God, the redeemer. He's the God who became flesh and dwelt among us as a living temple in his human being. And then he died for us, and then he rose for us, and now he's exalted. And if we just believe in his name, if we just believe that he died and he rose for us and we trust ourselves to that, he begins to breathe his Holy Spirit into us and we become empowered to be filled with his presence, which is what he said. I want you to wait for that. I want you to present yourselves to me waiting for that. It means to be filled with prayer. It means to be taking ourselves, our bodies, our embodied selves into his presence and seeking him which is what we began to do in a powerful way last Sunday night. I can tell you how, how significant it was for me because it was, in some ways, something that the Lord has been doing for a while in my own life, but it was even more powerful because we were together. It was formative. I, I felt once again that the God was saying, I want you to know that you, light of Christ, are an upper room church. We, we kind of got a, f- a sense of that very early on when the altar that we have, we acquired it from a, an order of nuns called the cenacle. The is just an, another word. It's one of the Latin words that's used for the upper room where the disciples were, were gathered at Pentecost, the same upper room where the Last Supper was held. And they had an order of prayer for the formation of the church, which is what you do in the upper room. You are praying for the formation of the church, which is what happens on Pentecost. The Lord establishes powerfully and forms and begins to build on the cornerstone the entire temple of Holy Mother Church. And Pentecost is when it bursts forth from the womb, if you will, of the upper room into the world and because of that noise, people begin to come. And people begin to realize something is happening here on earth that speaks of heaven. I felt like the Lord was saying as I'm standing there, it was almost like I felt like I'm standing right here and my sense was like the holy presence of God was here at the altar, maybe like I'm standing in front of the burning bush and I am just receiving it. This is cool that I get to wear the chasuble that's red this morning because I was actually feeling like my whole soul and my whole body permeated with the life-giving, hot, fiery, consuming presence that doesn't kill but causes to live my own self. And I'm standing there. Do you guys remember that poster from back, I think it was the 70s? There's this guy, he's sitting in a chair, and there's this gigantic speaker on one wall. And he's sitting in this chair, and the speaker is putting out some noise. And the noise is so intense, it's a gigantic wind. And you can see, like, parts of his clothing and his hair are just zooming out behind him. And uh, it actually was kind of like that. It's kind of like that, except it it was like the fire of God and it was the wind of God, all of which is symbols of his presence when it shows up here on earth. And uh, I'm like, thank you, Lord. This is what I want, isn't that what we all want? And this is what he grants to us when we take ourselves to him, when we present ourselves to him. There's just a few things I want us to say that are critical for our part in this process. Um, Well, first of all, I was kind of there, wasn't I? I was actually there. It really helps if you come. (laughs) It seems like sort of an obvious thing to state, but, you know, there is that time that um, every one of us says, well, I'm not sure I'm going to do that. And so the apostles, like Paul in Hebrews, he's saying, you know, don't neglect to gather. Don't neglect to come together. And, you know, meet God. Become the meeting place of God, which is just what a temple is. Meet God. Come and meet him. It's a first order of relationship. We have this card that we're putting out. Do you guys see this? Pick this up on your way out if you don't have it already. This green side is for the entire summer, the season of growing that we feel called to. And one of the things that Lisa wrote here that I really like, she says, Make relationship-first choices that lead to greater maturity, which is a sign of growth. Relationship first choices, and the first relationship, as we were reminded in the commandment, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. That means your body, but it also means your finances, by the way, in the Old Testament. Become a holy temple. When the Holy Spirit comes, by the way, we have a possibility that that might even be so. How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, and strength? I mean, I really do like to hold on to my stuff, I like to hold on to my energy, I like to hold on to my time. I don't want to gather. I would rather watch TV. Oh, wait, we don't do that anymore. Netflix. (laughs) But gather. So gather. I think that's the first simple thing. And gather in your body, in your mind, and in your strength. Every part of who you are. Gather. And if you can't do that, ask the Holy Spirit to help you to do that. Because you can't do it. So come, Holy Spirit. There is this Sense that you get of the this first early church manifestation—that when the apostles gathered, they gathered um, to to pray in the way that I've been describing, and they did it with all their hearts. They were devoted. That means that they were ready to become all flame. They were ready to become a burnt living sacrifice, infused with, on fire with the Holy Spirit. They were devoted. They presented their entire hearts. All right? We can give our hearts to God. It's one of the things we can do. Now, our motives are mixed, aren't they? Like, a lot of times, I live from my flesh. I live thinking I'd rather be entertained. I live thinking I'd rather have uh, several extra tacos. (laughs) I'd rather whatever we do when we're living out of a lower place of who we really are, I'd rather do that. And we, we all have those areas where we know we'd rather do something other than presenting ourselves to God and being present to Him. And um, the one thing I can say is I can't transform all of that stuff by sheer will. I have these temptations. I have these inclinations to temptations. And they've probably been even worked into some of my habits and my neurology and my affections, what I want. My motives are not pure. But what I can do is I can present every part of me as kindling for the fire of God to set on fire. I can do that. I just need to present myself. The one thing I can do is present myself. Um, The heart is is an organ of fire, is one of the ways that it's been understood. And when you're on fire, you're determined, right? When you're like intense about something, even that word speaks of fire, doesn't it? And we can't just generate on our own. We have the Holy Spirit, by the way. We have a incredible gift that the early church, until the Spirit came, did not have. Until Pentecost Sunday, they didn't have it. But if we've been baptized into Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. And what I want to say is that when we let our flesh overtake the Holy Spirit, we're quenching Him. We're dampening the flame. But when we just decide in our hearts to come to him and to be present with him and to be present in the fellowship of the saints, he begins to transfigure those. He begins to even take those motivations and those affections and those addictions and he begins to set them on fire. So our hearts, when we just decide, when we just say, I'm going to present myself, can be set on fire. And it ends up being part of the first fruits. There's a great symbol in the Pentecost tradition. One of the main things that was part of the celebration of Pentecost, it's a first fruits festival. The, the very first fruit is um, after, right after Passover, when Jesus is risen from the dead, they celebrate this waving of sheaves, right? And it's the very, very first instance of, of an eventual harvest, okay? So Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection kingdom, which never ends, that final harvest. This is the church's experience of that. By the Holy Spirit, we participate in first fruits in this initial harvest festival when God has gathered to his people and he sets them on fire. And what happens in the Pentecost celebration is there's all these sacrifices, but the one that I wanted to point out is, the, the, is what's called the, um, the, the, the sacrifice of testimony or the bread of testimony. And they would bring these meal offerings and they would make two loaves of bread of, of, uh, out of it. It was one, one bread, but two loaves. Which the early church understood that to be the two witnesses to God on earth has always been Israel, but now also it's the church, right? So we get to bear witness to God on earth as it is in heaven. And um, in order to make bread, what has to happen? Well, it has to be fired up. And in the bread, this is yeast filled bread. I was always a symbol of flesh. Always a symbol of that inclination to sin that we have that makes it impossible for us to be completely God apart from God. I mean, God has to do that in us for us to be with him. And so they baked the bread in the fires of the holy temple. And what really Pentecost is about in so many ways is when we come into the presence of God, it's like he stops the motions and the motivations and the appetites and the passions of our sins which keep him, us from him and keep us from being fully alive, and he fires those solid to him so we can actually be bread of the presence in the world. We can be a manifestation of the presence of God on earth as it, in, as it is in heaven. So, I have this um, feeling that the disciples had no idea what it was going to be like when he said, "Just wait on my Holy Spirit to come in power." They enter into that prayer because he rose from the dead, and that's so amazing. That's so amazing. So, like, they're they're set. They're going to pray, and they do. But when the Holy Spirit comes, as small as they are, they become powerful. One of the times of prayer, we had several nights of prayer. We called it upper room prayer, praise the Lord. Several nights of of prayer. And um, one of the things that Shelly prayed and, and said, we are a small church, but we pray way beyond our size. We praise God and worship him way beyond the few vocal cords that we have. It's because of the presence of God. A great noise sometimes comes in the Holy Spirit. I'm so grateful for that sense. And the disciples were too because it attracted a lot of people. And then what happened? People were like, I'm hearing them extol the mighty works of God in my own language. The worshiping church, the church at prayer, becomes a missional church automatically. And the first presentation of the gospel wasn't even planned The first presentation of the manifestation of God was an explosion that came with worship. I think that in some ways what's happening there is that if you think about heaven, you think about the angels, the angels that are on fire all the time, and what are they constantly doing? Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might. And they're filled with the glory of God so much so that they're literally on fire. And they have so many eyes to take in that fire that it's still not enough eyes. They can't even behold it big enough. It's so huge. God is holy, 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 which my friend Stephen Godier says, you could translate that as wow, wow, wow. And what's happening with the disciples on earth in the upper room is that's what they're doing. They're extolling the mighty works of God and they're saying, wow, wow, wow. And they are so full of the spirit that the language even works for every single type of person that's in that area. What is so cool about that is Jesus, one of the things he's really mad about when he's on earth is that the the temple was not the house of prayer for the nations. And so the spirit was being quelched and it wasn't going forth in the way that he thought it should. And he was right. But it was beginning to there because the nations that had been scattered were now being gathered by disciples who had been scattered and were now gathered. They had been made one body and they were becoming so one body and so filled with one Holy Spirit, drinking from that one holy fountain that they were manifesting the presence of God, and other people who were scattered were gathering in. And they were like, What's happening? I'm hearing the mighty works of God in my own language. Such a powerful, incredible gift. I've been praying a lot lately. I've been praying a lot lately because I'm weak. I have a, I think I've shared with you guys before, I have a heart condition. It seems to be getting sometimes better, sometimes worse. And there's this aspect of it that um, I get shortness of breath sometimes and it's this electrical thing. And so God gave me, um, I may be eventually getting on meds. I'm still at the early stages of something that, um, called AFib. It doesn't go away, but there are ways to treat it. But I'm still in early stages, and one of the things that I realized God was giving me to do is a way of breathing prayer, and I shared that with you a few weeks ago. And so I've been literally breathing prayer and breathing in, I think, the Holy Spirit, the the same breath from the resurrection lungs that Jesus is still exhaling as he prays for us in the heavens so that we can inhale it here in these temples he's making of my body this weak body a holy temple and i'm just i want it so like i'm breathing it yes jesus and he's actually settling my heart and this weak heart he's actually strengthening so that more and more i want to come in his presence and more and more he's transforming my feelings and he's transforming the things that are disordered he's taking me from a fearful place to a courageous place i feel that <laughs> praise the lord for the little ones who are right there at the center of the kingdom. Um, And one of the times that I was praying in this way, this incredible thing started to unfold for me. And it was, I saw my own life as like a prayer rope, like a living prayer rope. And it was like this, that was like this strand. It almost looked like a vessel. It was purple, like a vessel that was circulating with the oxygenated, Holy Spirit oxygenated blood of my own life by his grace, filled with good Holy Spirit oxygen, and it was moving. And I would take times of the day as part of my life and I would dedicate them to prayer. I'd take moments in my time, breath, every breath, and I would dedicate it to prayer. And there were like little knots in that living strand of prayer. And I knew that those knots was the presence of the Holy One, of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one who created, the one who redeemed in all three persons together so that I could actually be once again what Adam and Eve lost and now is being restored in Jesus. And every little prayer pocket moment was being filled with his holy presence, the promise that he made to the disciples in the gospel. And it was so alive. But then I saw him take that prayer strand... And other prayer strand, which I knew to be other people. I knew it to be us. I knew it to be every single person in our church here. And he starts to weave them together into like a whole fabric of prayer. And he knew it was the Holy Spirit, I knew he was showing me, he's giving me an inside view of how he's weaving together the church in the womb of the church, which is in the upper room, and he's weaving it together in prayer, and his Holy Spirit is filling it and making it to move. It's in constant motion, and I realize it's prayer. It's a life of prayer. It's to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an act of the Holy Spirit. My participation is prayer. Sometimes that prayer is actually action as well. But it's, it's how he's doing it. He's weaving it into us through his Holy Spirit and through our prayers, meeting him in the presence. And in that presence, he starts to burn away the sins that are there. In that presence, he starts to make us on earth people of glory as it is in heaven. And we sing and we manifest that glory. And it was such a a huge blessing knowing that we're an upper room church and I was hearing, in some ways I was hearing some very specific things about our church. But I was also hearing, this is not just our church. This is actually bigger than our church. When we first started this church, we, uh, Becca had this sense that we were going to be a place that reflected the light of Christ, because that was our name. But it was gonna not just be up for us, and it never is just for us. It does result in powerful proclamation. And it goes forth to the four ends of the earth. That's what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit will do. And so we have this symbol. It's it's called a quatrefoil. It's basically like in the four directions of the earth, you have coming from the light of Christ, that gospel, glorious, fiery presence going forth. We're part of a movement. It's called a revival. That's how our bishop speaks of it. It's a revival in the Holy Spirit. It goes through word, it goes through sacrament, but it's a revival, it's powerful. But it's forged by and infused by the Holy Spirit. And I knew um, as I was praying and the Lord was revealing that to me that that's, we're called to be an upper room church but we're a revival church and the Lord is weaving this fabric, fabric of prayer, but it's not just for us, it's a revival fabric that is meant to continue to weave in more and more living prayers, more and more true human beings filled with the spirit, restored to the glory that was lost. Am I making sense to you? Yes. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you have accomplished everything necessary for our salvation. Lord, we know the gospel. We have been blessed to be breathed into with your holy and life-giving words. And your spirit has been imparted to us and we are overwhelmed by the gift and the love and the power that that represents. Lord, deal with us. We come to meet you this morning. Lord, as we continue in this service, we pray that we would present ourselves to you entirely, that our hearts would choose, and then you would deal with the rest of what we have, that you would make us all flame, that we would praise you. We'd present to you our weakness and our sins, Lord, and that you would permeate them with your holy and life-giving spirit, that you would cause us to grow, Lord Jesus. You have not abandoned us and you've given us the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life who causes all things to grow and Lord, we want that today. We want it to begin in our worship today. The rest of the service, Lord, it is dedicated to you and we are wholly dedicated to you to present our voices, our bodies as living temples and living sacrifices to the praise of your name for you are worthy at all times to be praised by happy grateful, thankful voices. I pray this in your holy name. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.